Hi, my name is Olivia and this is PCOS Talk JA. So in terms of PCOS, how did you feel when you found out that you had it? So when I was first um, diagnosed with PCOS, I was a very small guy. I was like, yeah, I knew because I had been doing some research before on my symptoms. So when I finally went to the doctor and he was like, yeah, you have PCOS. I was like, yeah, I didn't know that. Me, me could I tell you that? Give me a medical degree. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, my initial reaction was like relief. But then when it finally sink in, say, I really don't go on my panic. A bit of panic occurred. Um, so what had happened was when I when I backstory, I started having symptoms. You see, the, the thing with this is not, you know, is that you you have the symptoms. I never realized that that's what's happening because you've had them for so long. So it was not like a onset. It was just things that have been happening forever. So I would. My period was never regular. I would go months without seeing my period. First, it was like three to six months, and then people would tell you, oh, that's normal because your period, you know, is coming in. And people would say, up till you're like 21, it's normal to have an irregular period, which it's, that's not exactly true. Um, so that was one of the major symptoms. Then other things started to happen, like I would have really bad um, bouts of depression like my life is fine there's nothing stressful or extra going on and I would be depressed like I don't want to get up out of bed I don't want to do nothing all the things that I enjoy doing I don't want to do them anymore um, and so it had gotten to a point where my mother got really concerned she was like no 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 doctor for you go to the doctor and talk to somebody about it because it do its own so she wanted me to go to the doctor to actually get a referral to an endocrinologist um, to do testing. Um, so that was my GP. And when I went to my GP, I asked him, what kind of test do I need to do to confirm PCOS? He ran some hormone tests. I don't know what they were at the time because I didn't ask any questions. Um, he ran some hormone tests and I did an ultrasound. The ultrasound came back normal. Um, but some of the blood tests were, he said some of my levels were elevated. He did not tell me what those levels were I didn't ask because at the time I didn't know enough to if him tell me it wouldn't mean anything to me so I got those tests and he was like only one of them is slightly out of range and I was like so what does that mean he's like well I don't think you have PCOS I was like okay then why do I have all of the symptoms that I saw online for PCOS um and so that was before I got like the really bad bouts of depression. But looking back now, what caused that depression? I was on birth control, hormonal birth control. I don't remember which one it was. It was probably Diane 35 or one of those. But like now that I've come off of the birth control, I realized that that significantly contributed to my depression. Sometimes things click like years after. That's what's going on right now. So all that happened, I eventually went to a gynecologist. He gave me... The diagnosis, he did an ultrasound. There were polyps in my uterus. And for those of us who don't know what polyps are, they're little 
I don't remember if there's fluid in them, but they're like little sacks. They're like growths, almost like cysts, I assume. But they're like they're like little tear-shaped things in the uterus. Um, and so they were polyps, and I had lots of other symptoms, like the sideburns, friends, the sideburns. That that that's PCOS. Um, I had hair on my belly. I'm not gonna get up and lift up my clothes to show it to show it. <laughs> Well, thank you ahead of time for my audience. <laughs> On behalf of your audience, I do say thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I had had hair on my on my stomach. Um, for those listening, thank God you don't have to see me. Yeah, trying to look for my shirt. And for those of us watching too. <gasps> yeah, I'm gonna behave. This is the very first episode. <laughs> so I had like the the male pattern hair growth. So the sideburns, the thing on the belly. Um, what else? The gynecologist also looked at me and said, "Oh, and the the little weight you have around your belly." Um, and and I'm telling some have sideburns. Come, you never know. Some me have sideburns. I thought I thought this wasn't. I thought it was normal, you know, because it's always been there. Um, and I don't remember what else. But like some of the other symptoms over time, I would have realized that they were associated with PCOS. But he was like, I can I can just look at you and tell that you have. PCOS and I was like ah cool so I got the diagnosis and he was like oh well next steps he needs to do a DNC dilation and curtilage I think is the name Um, so that would be like they dilate my cervix they'd go in remove the polyps and then biopsy them to check for cancer because that's also a complication of PCOS um, but at the time, me did so depressed and broke. I was just like, yeah, I'm not really depend with a doctor, man, depend. And when I was asking about like arrangements to get the surgery done, I would have had to pay up front and then claim it back. And the good sis never have the hundred and seventy thousand dollar for PF, no surgery and no biopsy. Understand me? So I'm gonna go, man. Say, all right, me I go eat clean and exercise and whatever suit. See what can go on for me. So more than a year had passed before I'd actually done anything because basically what had happened was the doctor scared me. <laughs> if I'm being honest, um, so I was very overwhelmed with the prognosis and the treatment plan and like I wasn't scared to do the surgery, but I was overwhelmed with. Like the cost of it and the fact that I'd have to do that because he was saying we'd have to do that first and then based on the results, we'll take next steps. And I was just like, mm. I don't really want to do all of that. I don't have the money. And he didn't follow up with me after not hearing from me to say, you know, what's going on if you're having issues, etc. So how did you feel when he did not follow up with you? Was this something that also, was it a turn off for you? Would you have liked for him to follow up? Um, Given that you're feeling overwhelmed? I don't know if I would say I would have wanted him to follow up. More so than I would have wanted him to give me options. So I guess if he had followed up and had a conversation with me about why, you know, what I was thinking or what, what, what was going on, if I wanted to go ahead with the surgery, then I would have told him, you know, I don't want to pay for it and have to claim back because then I'd still, I'd have to save to do that anyways 
um, if there are any other options or could we try something else, then I would have, you know, gone that route, kind of asked. Um, but he did not. And so I was just kind of winging it. Um, and I'm not the type of person that's very confrontational. So I was not going to call back and be like, yeah, I'm not do that. What else I can do? Which is probably what I should have done. But, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, so how I got to the point where I was actually getting treatment, um, is through <laughs> what, what has become PCOS taught JA. So, a uh, friend of mine from Twitter, big up Nadia, Dr. McLean, nice, clean skin friend. Um, so we, I would talk a lot on social media about my PCOS and like the symptoms and like what's going on with me. So Nadia and I, I don't remember how we became friends, but we became friends on Twitter and we would talk about PCOS. Um, and for PCOS Awareness Month, which is in September, I said I'd want to have a space on Twitter about it. Um, and if you don't know what a space is, I don't know, maybe when you're listening to this or watching this, is 10 years from now and Twitter spaces don't exist no more. It's like a big group call on Twitter. So we were talking about PCOS and the stuff and, you know, it'd be a, a bunch of women online and we'd be talking about it. And I was speaking about the fact that I had not had a period in like two years and I didn't miss having a period because I who likes having a period, you understand me? And she was like, Olivia... Your period serves a purpose and you are supposed to have a period. And when you do not, what happens is the lining of your uterus builds up and that puts you um, at higher risk of having cancer of the cervical kind, etc. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I, it wasn't so much that she, she scared it into me, but it's like I didn't know that 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 would that could be the result of that so over the month we'd have like a space every sunday and we talk about different topics and different things and different people come and share their story um and it's with that and talking to people and learning about you know the symptoms and some of the impacts um that these symptoms have on your body um and peer pressure i was like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to a doctor and actually address my PCOS. I, I asked the community for recommendations and that's how I got to meet my, my lovely gynecologist. I'm going to get her on the show one of these days because I told her from way back when that, that you know, I was going to bring her on the show. So I met my gynecologist that Nadia recommended and she's also an oncologist, which is great because when Nadia tell me about cancer risk, I was just like, this is even great because if I actually have cancer, I'm going to have to switch a doctor and like that. So I <laughs> I went <clears throat> to see um, the good doctor and by this time I was a bit more diligent in terms of like recording my symptoms and like what's happening and knowing a bit more about my history. So when I went, I had my little book and I was like, well, I was diagnosed this year and this is what the doctor said and this is what he wanted to do and I didn't do jack shit about that. Um, and I had polyps and, um, he also didn't order any hormone tests. Like I'm just, I'm just realizing that anyways, never ordered a hormone test. So she, I told her all of that. And then she asked me like, 
what my goals were with PCOS, which is like, chef's kiss, 10 out of 10. Dr. Thomas asked her what you want to accomplish. You understand me? So she asked me, you know, what do I want to accomplish or what are my goals or what do I want to work on in terms of my PCOS? Um, and I told her that my main priority is getting it under control as much as possible. Um, and she asked me about if I am interested in working on having children in the short or medium term. The answer to which is no. Um, but that's a great question to ask me about PCOS because that, that is also an issue with PCOS. So she asked me all of that. I'm going to tell her and whatever. And she said, okay. We're going to have to order tests, obviously, because you have to diagnose before you prescribe. So any doctor will prescribe without doing no diagnostic tests, red flag. So she did a series of tests. We did blood tests. I got, um, I got a hormone panel done. I could not tell you the name of it. I'll circle back. But either way, your doctor must determine what's best for you. But I got a series of hormone tests. She tests the hormones that are usually affected by PCOS. She also did a sugar test because I had symptoms of insulin resistance. We'll have an entire podcast dedicated to insulin resistance because insulin resistance is a bad bitch. And we have to talk about she's separate. So I did a sugar test. I did the hormones. Um, I had to get... a uh, ultrasound done I don't remember if it's called a pelvic one the one where they have to insert and do on top how to get one of those done so it was it was a lot of testing thankfully my health insurance covered most of it but it doesn't cover most of the hormone tests apparently so the hormone test was what I really had to pay for out of pocket and then everything else my insurance covered most most of it so what would you say to someone who has concerns, you know, going through the testing process, not from a financial standpoint, but just the process of testing? Um, when you're going to get tested or like when you get like all the papers and they're like, oh, you have to do this and that and the third, it, it can be it. It can be very overwhelming, as in, like, emotionally, like, oh, God, I have to go do all of this. And then if money is also a concern, that adds an extra layer of stress. Um, and if you're afraid of needle, that is an next layer of stress. But I would say just take it one step at a time, one day at a time, one test at a time. Um, if you have a doctor that is... them have a good bedside manner, you can share your concerns with them, so you can say... Um, all of this is a bit overwhelming. Can I stagger it? Because I did a lot of that. I, me and staggering. My doctor knows she's going to tell me everything I have to do. And I'm going to be like, okay. Can we break this into chunks? Because it's overwhelming. But that was when I got to a point where I was better able to advocate for myself. So if, if you like, you're new to this or it's overwhelming, it's totally okay to ask if things can be chunkated. Break it down. That's, that's totally fine. So I kind of did a version of that for my testing because what had to happen was I had to do these basically three sets of tests, the hormones, the the sugar levels, and the ultrasound. But I also wanted to do STD testing because I was like, I haven't done a panel like in a while. So I wanted to do that as well. And she was like, are you having symptoms? I was like, no. She's like, then 
we have to leave that for a little bit later because when you get the, the money for them, something, you're probably not going to do that. No, she's like, but if you, afterwards you, you've done it and you decide that you want to do it right after, then just call the office and I'll write you the form. So focus on what is most urgent too would be another tip for getting your testing done. So I did the test. That was... I don't even remember when that was. Was it like a December? I don't know. Let's call it January. The beginning. Um, so I did that. Did the test. Came back. Because of course you know she have to come back. You have to do the results in person. Which makes more sense. Because then if she have any devastating news. You won't forget no devastating news by yourself sitting at home. You understand? God the doctor got to do that here. So <laughs> I, I got. I went back to the office to get the results. And then, of course, me did already know somebody something did expect it. The sugar levels, <laughs> honey, I was pre-diabetic. I am pre-diabetic. So I was diagnosed as pre-diabetic. I don't know if you'd call it being diagnosed as pre-diabetic, but I'm pre-diabetic. So my levels were high enough that made I walk on chalk line, borderline, almost diabetic. Um, So first thing that we knew had to happen was that I had to get my sugar levels under control. The second thing was one of my hormones called prolactin was also out of range. It was high. Um, and prolactin is the hormone that causes you to lactate. Um, and also it can be indicative of cancer. It can indicate that there's a tumor in the brain and all of that and she was very you know gentle with how she explained um what it could mean but she was like don't panic even if it is a tumor majority of the time they're benign benign meaning it's not cancerous so the prolactin was also altering so we had to bring that down and she explained that with the hormones being elevated out of range that could also cause some of the other symptoms that i was having um like maybe the acne or the mood swings and those other kind and the absence of the period. Um, and so we also had to work on getting the prolactin back down. And then there the the other thing with the ultrasound was I had no polyps. The polyps were gone. I don't know what I did. I don't know if it's with eventually having a period over the between when I was last di between when I was diagnosed when I did that original ultrasound and like two years later, if it's with having a period if if the polyps went, I don't know, but the polyps worked themselves out. Great. So I didn't have, I didn't have to do no DNC. Good for me. <laughs> so um the the concern with the ultrasound though was that my lining was thick because remember I said I haven't I hadn't had a period in almost two years at the time so we had to also do something to induce a period so that I would shed the lining because that is dangerous so it's so much something me, me did have to work on so the prolactin the sugar the shedding of the lining so game plan time now so what's the game plan now the game plan was getting those three things under control um so she suggested medication of course because of where my sugar levels was so she 
recommended or she was prescribing, clear purpose word, metformin. I know Ms. Agar already take metformin before because when my original um, doctor, which was a GP, had said some stuff, I was like, well, I want to go on metformin because I think I have insulin resistance. But then no, oh, me, I tell doctor way. What them for do? What kind of style that? Anyways, I had tried the metformin, but it was just like regular metformin. And if you take metformin anymore, there's something run my belly. <laughs> <laughs> nah. You have to laugh. No. No. Terry, I'm dead enough. I'm going to tell you now. You see, metformin... Una, 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 watch this list and I laugh to come. No, metformin is a bad piece of medication, you know? When me tell him, they said, no fart is safe with metformin. No fart is dying. <laughs> no fart is safe. <sighs> if you take metformin, I know you have shot yourself multiple times. Because I have Guys, I love it to see Terry's face. I know she's dying. Y'all don't understand. I they say, if I take metformin, you don't understand. You think it's a fart and then it's not a fart. It's a shit. <laughs> Cut. 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 We had to get my sugar levels under control and I was prescribed metformin. I had taken metformin before, but I was not consistent enough in taking the metformin for it to make a difference. So with the GI upset with the metformin, I didn't stick with it more than like a month. So she prescribed me metformin, but I had been learning in that time. So when she prescribed me the metformin, I had known about... There are different types of metformin. So you have, you can get like regular metformin and then you can get metformin extended release. Um, so it releases slow in the body and people said they usually have less um, GI side effects. So less upset stomach, less loose stool, less diarrhea, that kind of thing. So I asked her if I could get the extended release and she said why and i was telling her about the gi symptoms she said she's not gonna do the extended release yet she's gonna try a different formulation of metformin so i think it was a metformin called pms i don't remember the brand but i was on that for a little while and it was not as bad but i still had the upset stomach and the no fart is safe you understand for a little while so it takes a little while for the metformin to get used to it so what we did was um the dose that she gave me originally was 500 milligrams. Um, but because I know it's going to upset my stomach, I asked her if I could start on 250. They don't make a tablet that's 250, so I had to cut the tablet in two. So I cut the tablet in two. I take one a day, not one whole tablet, 250. And then when I stopped having the GI side effects, then I would increase to 500. Um, and so I did that. I was on 500 for three months. So that was the game plan. Metformin, 500 milligrams for three months. And then that would, we'd retest in three months to see how it affected my sugar levels. So we'll do that. The prolactin levels, I was, and, and the, the lining, I was prescribed Provera, which is a hormone. I don't know what kind of hormone. I think it's progesterone. Um, so I was prescribed Provera. I do not remember the dosage. 
it was half of a tablet which means it was probably 500 milligrams um so i'll take it like how you take birth control i take it for 28 days i break for five or seven days i don't remember which and then resume and my period should come i did it for the first month no period came which sometimes is normal because it takes a while. Your hormones have to get to a certain level for it to actually shed. Took it for three months and didn't have a period. Um, so I was supposed to try the treatment for three months because things need time to work. Tried it for three months, didn't have a period. So I went back three month mark to do more blood tests because we'll have to see if what she's doing is working. Um, did the sh only did the sugar and the prolactin because everything else we didn't need to retest. The prolactin had gone up <laughs> and the sugar had come down but not significantly enough. So she doubled my dose to 1000 milligrams per day for the metformin. And I don't remember what we did for the prolactin. I think I continued on that course for a little bit longer to see if it would bring it down um and then we'd retest again in three months so that would have been six months from initial testing so i continued um with the increased dose of metformin and with the prolactin went back in six months i don't remember if i had a period or not but my why i remember for sure is that my cycle was not regularizing at all um and so at that six month mark regarding my my period um we had to talk about alternatives also because um prolactin is not cheap not prolactin sorry provera is not cheap it don't cheap and so i had asked her before about other options for the maintenance of my uterine lining um but I got good news at the six-month mark that my sugar levels had come down to a respectable level. So the metformin at 1,000 milligrams was working. I also at that point asked her if I could switch to metformin extended release. Um, and she was like, that's no problem. She switched my prescription to the metformin extended release. And chef's kiss i've had a lot less gi issues even though after a while taking the regular one it kind of levels off but like if you sleep in terms of if you take it on an empty stomach if you eat anything too greasy the belly i got run <laughs> um so i switched to the extended release and i have a lot less gi symptoms i must still say though if you play around on the extended release i eat too much greasy food i take it when your stomach empty your belly will still run but it's not nearly as bad um so if you have issues with metformin ask if you can take the extended release um so that was pretty much sorted so i've been on metformin 1000 milligrams since um so about the prolactin now at this point i think the prolactin levels started to trend down finally um so said okay that's working but it's not working for the shedding of the lining so i asked what my options were she said well you could get a uh an iud a marina for that purpose plus 
I also could not take hormonal birth control because I have migraines. And so she recommended that I didn't take anything with estrogen because she said, I, I believe she had said it increases my risk of um, clotting or something like that. So like people with migraines and the estrogen, they tend not to put them together. So she said, I was taking Mossy Yaz at the time. She was like, when I first went to her, she was like, stop that, don't take another pill. No more estrogen for you. So I could not take birth control. Or she didn't recommend that I take birth control. So the Provera was not, I believe, at a high enough dose that it would do what birth control would, which is to prevent that kind of thing from going on. So I was on no birth control at this time and me me never liked that so when she suggested an IUD I liked it because it would provide a dual purpose it would prevent the lining of my my uterus from building up which we don't want to happen plus it would also be an actual birth control so we talked through it and you know people online very afraid of IUD I always hear the IUD horror stories um, but I had put it out on Twitter to ask people, does anybody have a marina? Like, what is your experience with it? Especially if you have PCOS. Um, and a couple of people did reach out to me and tell me, you know, they've, they've had nothing but a good experience with it. It's been great. at the best birth control they ever have. And most of the people I knew who actually had it did not have a bad experience. I'd say people don't, but I wasn't get. I was getting raving reviews. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to be a bad bitch and I'm going to do it. So I did it. At the, I got it, when did I get it? I got it February of 2022. Yeah, February or January? February, no, February 2022. Um, I got the Marina IUD put in. That is a story in and of itself. Join us next time to hear about about PCOS and IUD, and I'll see if I can get some other people to with with PCOS who have the IUD to hop on and tell you their experience. Um, but I will say, apart from the installation, which my doctor said I handled, I handled, I handled like a G. Uh, I haven't had any problems with it. So um, I've been delinquent. I'm supposed to go back. Cause I would have installed that from February. I'm supposed to go back and do my yearly checks. I'm supposed to check my labels again, check my hormones, do a repeat. What is something in my game? Do I repeat? It gone. <laughs> God, no, Would you say this is a symptom of PCOS? It is. This is brain fog at work, guys. Gone. There's something with ultrasound. Ha. So, you see, when I forget things, I have to describe it and then the word will come back. So, I need to go back so I can do my repeat ultrasound to, to make sure that everything is where it ought to be. Everything capacity. Um, But for the last year, um, I would say... So all of this happened over the course of like two years. Because when I first went, it would have been like, it was like the middle of the year. So it would have been the middle of 2021. And then 2022, 
in February, I would have gotten the IUD, which would have been close to the six-month mark of when I started. So, yeah, that would have been right. And then now, almost a year after that, um, my result so far is I, I have lost weight, meaning I try to avoid, like, weighing myself because that, again, I don't know, is a whole different podcast talking about weight and the body but I try to avoid weighing myself because it stresses me out but I can tell that I've lost weight because of the fit in my clothes so um like I'll put something on and I'm like this this have space it's slack and then sometimes I will look at pictures and I was just like oh I look so different in this dress like I have this one particular dress that I put it on the other day and I was like but this slap man so I've been noticing a difference there I've also noticed a huge difference in my energy levels because with insulin resistance it affects your body's ability to regulate energy so I usually by the middle of the day I have to take a nap I'm dying to sleep have to sleep now I wake up with the sun and if you know me, you know I'm not a morning person because I don't want to get up out of bed before noon. I'm awake before the sun now. I also take B12, um, which really helps with my energy. So I have to take my metformin in the mornings and my B12 or I'm not going to have a good day. <laughs> I'm going to be asleep by noon. It's like, it's like you know what, people wake up and drink coffee. Me, I have to wake up and take my B12. Amen at the coffee. Amen. <laughs> Man. I have to wear my, my, my metformin and my butyl for my coffee. So I have to get I have to take them in the mornings. Um that comment is not endorsed. It is not endorsed, but continue. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you have if you have issues with, with waking up and you have pieces like energy, coffee won't help, I'm sorry. We have coffee for fun over here. <laughs> not for function. <laughs> So, in summing up, would you say that it is best, even if you find a solution or if you've done your initial test, to still follow up, to still be diligent, you know, to keep ahead of the game in terms of management of your symptoms, impact, those sort of a thing? Yes, I would say with PCOS, you have to not necessarily stay on top of your game, but be diligent and aware in terms of how you feel because just like how my doctor made sure especially at the beginning to see if the treatment was working she tries something um she tests in three months to see if it's working it's the same kind of thing with you yourself you have to check in to see like how you feel because i i felt like fine when i was on the, the lower dose of the metformin but um I would have been able to tell at six months that it was not really doing much because I would not have seen any difference in like my weight and so on. And I must put a disclaimer here. When my nice clean doctor said she's going to put me on metformin, but she also recommended lifestyle change because she had asked me about what my eating is like and if I exercise. So it wasn't just a Oh, you're fat, you need to go exercise. She actually asked me what I was doing. I was like, well, I don't work out and I don't eat properly because I'm depressed and I don't want to exercise because the fatigue was so bad. So I'd exercise today and I'd need two days to recover. So she's like, okay, well, I'm still going to recommend that you try to incorporate movement 
um, even if it's something low impact, something slow that your body is moving and get your heart rate up. And I'm going to recommend that you try to eat better because you would have eating like crap. Um, she's like, and if you need support with those things, I can recommend a nutritionist for you to go to, etc. And I was very honest with her. I was like, doc, the only thing I'm going to promise you to do is take my medication and go to therapy. <laughs> I was like, because I feel like I need to sort out like my mental space before I have the capacity to do all these other things. So, um, I did all of that. I gave myself time for, you know, the things to work. I know I'm at a much better place than I was. And so that's kind of where i'm at now like i mean if anybody has any questions you can definitely reach out to us on social media thank you for joining us on this episode of pcos talk ja you can follow us on social media at pcos talk ja on all platforms and you can follow me personally at olivia marie ja pcos talk ja is a time by team production